saw the way she looked me in my eyes. She said, baby, I am not afraid to die. Push me to the edge. All my friends are dead. Push me to the edge. All my friends are dead. Push me to the edge. All my friends are dead. Push me to the edge. Phantom, that's all right. It's our own. Yo, 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 and welcome back after a brief hiatus. It's Boys Will Be Boys. I'm Andy Gatelli. I'm Benjamin Walker, Mr. Goat. How are How you, you doing, doing, sir? <laughs> not too bad. Not too bad, man. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. It has, man. It's uh, the first pod of 2018, I believe, maybe. It is. It is. We uh, After that, um, I guess you could call it a game. What the Cowboys did against Seattle, you know, just uh, we played football. There was football. Um, Me and Goat have been trying to uh, destroy some brain cells since that day. So you'll forgive us if we sound uh, spaced out. You know, we we uh, we typically go into hibernation once the season ends. And um, I'm just kind of glad, Andy, that uh, that's when football ended. You know, uh, hey, week 17. We yeah, we, it's, it was great that they canceled the season. Just no more football. Worked out really well. I was yeah, we. I was pumped, man. We we ended the, the season on a shutout, you know, beating Philly, and uh, they just called it right there. So it's kind of like you know, college. You know, you just vote on who the champ was at the end of the year. I assume I didn't really pay attention. Yeah, so. I didn't watch the end of the year poll. Uh, didn't watch any of the bowl games, so uh, don't know who the Cowboys played or if they won. But I'm assuming we did. Um, no, unfortunately. What I what I long surely said was surely the darkest, the darkest timeline, timeline didn't the darkest occur. timeline. Oh my god! And I'm sure anyone listening to a football podcast knows that uh, this sentence. I never thought I would say this, but the uh, Philadelphia Eagles have won the Super Bowl. Which that is that just, just that can't be right. What is like, going on? I heard you say it, and it's really the first I've heard anyone say it, and. It, I don't know. It hasn't really registered with me. Like, um, I saw Philly was burning to the ground the other day. I just assumed that was, you know, some normal event, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, that's like a Monday in Philadelphia. Right? Yeah. I assumed like a bad episode of it's always sunny came on or something and they revolted. Yeah, you know, I'm sure like a person of color was elected to a public office or something. And so they were just responded as Philly will to something like that. Um, but no, the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl with their backup quarterback. Uh, Nick Foles just got himself, what, $70 million, $80 million? Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles. Uh, Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles, uh, a native of Austin, Texas. He's a Westlake kid. You're welcome, uh, Philly. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, he, owns, he is a part owner of a couple restaurants here in, uh, my, in the city I call home. Um, so good for Nick. Seems like a oh, you know, he's done a couple movies too. From- uh, Blades of Glory, Napoleon Dynamite uh, was very funny <laughs> in each of those. So I give him a lot of. It's credit. crazy to you know you see some guys you know like uh, you know Donald Glover's an example. Just these multi talented dudes. They write, they dance, they act. Justin Timberlake, another example. But you don't see many guys that are going to be you know kind of indie movie actors and Super Bowl MVP quarterbacks. So Nick Foles. Well done, sir. Well fucking done. Um, But in all seriousness... um, You know what the most depressing thing is, Andy? By all means. I believe it's the fact that we 
I won't say that we revert to the 90s to talk about any little bit of success we've seen, you know, the 20-year drought. That's not depressing. Um, Jason Garrett still being head coach. That's not the most depressing. I believe it's that now we can't use the zero rings joke. God, and we've lost so many jokes for Philly now. Just, it's like how LeBron haters felt when he finally got a ring. You know, you had to stop using the Philly fans keep their phone on silent. Why? <laughs> no ring. <laughs> Why should you date a girl from Philadelphia? She never expects a ring. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Those are, those are done. Those are done. Those are retired. And, you know, As of 2018, those are retired. And you know what? The, the, this was not a fluky win. Um I saw a lot of Patriots fans publishing articles that were like the 10 calls that cost the Patriots the Super Bowl, which is just a little bit ironic coming from the Patriots. Just a tad of irony, a pinch. Um, the Eagles played a great game. That's a good team. They have a great, great defense. Playoffs. Like, yeah. They were they were underdogs, and uh, we skipped every uh, playoff game, as y'all saw from the pod schedule. So um, just a little bit. They – Pretty much handled everyone. They were they were underdogs against Atlanta. I surely thought Atlanta was going to win, and uh, Philly took care of business. Looked good doing so. Then they play Minnesota, the darling who came off the the huge win against the Saints, the Minnesota Miracle, and they got pounded, Andy, in the NFC Championship. Yeah, I mean, and and I'll say this, man. You know, the Eagles were a team that they had a bunch of question marks coming into this season. Um, you know, I wasn't convinced they were going to have a really impressive receiving core. Um, obviously, the running back situation was a big question mark. They they obviously fixed that by getting Jai, but man, this receiver core that they've put together is completely different than what it was at the beginning of the year, as far as the players that are on it and how they played. Don't get me wrong, Zach Ertz never been a terrible player, but. Man, he is a stud right now. Alshon Jeffrey turned into a machine just overnight again. And even Nelson Aguilar, who is just an absolute garbage bust up until the end of this season, suddenly turns into... I mean, that play during the Super Bowl where he catches the ball like in the flat and he like someone hit him and he put a hand down and like stayed up on his feet and fought for like seven more yards. I was like, who is this guy? That is not Nelson Nagalore. Dude is a bum. So sometimes destiny just takes over. Um, I, t- I texted you before the game. I, I said, I don't know what it is. I got a bad feeling. Man, I Eagles are going to win this one. I lost money betting on New England, which I'm sure has never happened in the history of sports with how lucky that franchise is. So I was convinced. I told Andy along the way, I was like, dude. I will bet anybody any sort of money that New England comes out on top. Tom Brady's just not going to lose to Nick Foles. And, I mean, hell, Brady, what, threw for 500 yards or something stupid? It just – Tom Brady's got to be fucking sick about this loss. I mean, dude's like, what, 97 years old. Yeah. goes out there. He had just finished some crystal healing energy therapy with his quack doctor – so he felt super magical. He's going out there. He just drank a big swig of Jordan's secret stuff from Space Jam. And he goes out there and throws for 500 and a, like three touchdowns, four touchdowns. I can't remember. Without and, his number one receiver who gets hurt. Well, yeah. one of his number one receivers who gets and hurt. And lose the, the game. I, dude's got to be sick. 
dude's got to be sick. So, um, yeah, I mean the the Eagles they 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 marched right through Just the weird ending. I mean that was that was the most yards of offense ever logged in a Super Bowl and. If you had told me just that alone, I would just assume New England would have crushed. But Nick Foles and that offense dueled, I mean, the GOAT of probably NFL all time, the best well, let's coaching, not forget coaching quarterback duo of all time. and The and last team to beat the Eagles was who goes? this season was the Dallas Cowboys. And in fact, shut them out. So I want that on record. And let's – yeah, we know they benched some people, but Nick Foles played about a half of that game, and he looked—he like, didn't score either. Shit. Yeah, I shut know. It, shut the lights out, lights out. So, dude, and can I just say this, Andy? Please. Now, there's, um, if you go back to 2014, which I hate to live in the past, but let's do it. There's a, a questionable catch call in there along the way. Is that right on uh, Des Bryant? There is, uh, uh, if you recall. So I, um, I do seem to remember there being somewhat of a controversy surrounding a catch by Des Bryant. So Des, you know, clearly catches the ball, takes seven hundred steps, Makes stops, chugs some water on the moves. sideline, leaps for the end zone, and it gets called incomplete. Um, so you know, the next few years, I'm watching these catch rule. I watched Jesse James against New England earlier this year go get one over called for leaping in the end zone and dropping the ball. So. I Think like yeah, it's a shitty rule, but I have it understood. I watch at the end of this game with about two minutes left. Zach Ertz catch a ball, falling down to the ground, leaps across the goal line. The ball hits the ground, pops up in the air, and he re-catches it. Now that sounds very very familiar, Ben. It does. Now surely, with what's been established in the NFL, that's ruled incomplete. Correct? Oh, I would no. only assume so. Oh no, that was that was a catch. And let me just be on the record, that was a catch. Like I I fully believe, but the fact that that call went pro Philly and our catch call went anti Dallas just just a little bitter. Just a tad well, bit of salt. I'll say this. I get really tired of how whenever it will Whenever it's super big game time and it will help someone that I hate, everyone's all about let them play, let them play, let the boys play, don't let the refs get involved, blah, blah, blah. When it was the end of the Packers game two years ago and Aaron Rodgers rolled out to his left to make the pass but eventually win the game and nine different Packers held David Irving. It was all about, well, yeah, it was a hold clearly, but let him, you got to let him play. You can't let a ref decide the game. But when it was Des Bryant catching a ball on fourth down that wins the game for the Cowboys, you have to make that call, apparently. You have to win the game for the Packers via referee. I know. I don't want to spend too long on it. We could honestly spend an entire episode going over why that was a catch. But I just wanted to point out that um, Philly still sucks. There's still four Super Bowls behind. They benefited from a bogus call by today's NFL. So, uh, congrats on your Super Bowl light. Your hollow victory. Uh, I will say this. It is going to suck because what this Nick Foles situation has done, uh, they're going to get a first-round pick for Nick Foles. I am projecting that right now. 
I'm thinking second still, but a lot of people think they won't move him because Wentz may not be available until mid, you know, week four or five next year. They may not move him immediately because you're right. It doesn't look like Wentz will be immediately back, but I guarantee you some retarded team will give them the universe for the Super Bowl MVP. Nick Foles will suit up for Cleveland at some point in 2018, and he will turn back into a pumpkin at midnight and be terrible, and the Eagles will use that first-round pick to select some really good player, like Derek Barnett, who won the Super Bowl for them. Yeah, uh, you're probably right. You know, my other part of this game is is looking back and unfortunately giving Philly credit is Doug Peterson had – he played to win that game. Yep. Um, they went for fourth downs. They went for a fourth and goal and called a trick play in the huddle. I'll say Nick this. Foles Nick caught. Foles called that play. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, Peterson called the go, and Nick Foles called the actual play. The Philly special, which I, I'm putting the over under it 5,000 times. I'm going to see the term Philly special as a hashtag, a T-shirt, a drink. A audible. <laughs> Oh, dude, every shitty burger place in Philadelphia currently has a burger called the Philly Special. Without they a throw doubt. it to you. Or a cocktail or something. It's going to be stupid. Yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. But you know what? We would do the same damn thing. I know. So I know. let them have their thing. So, Good but I, I just want to, what I really want to point on there is to draw it back to a Cowboys parallel. You know, I, I heard some beat writers around here and people talking. Could Jason Garrett have called that game? Fuck no. <laughs> I was going to say a resounding no on my end. Like a Not resounding. only can Jason Garrett not call that game, but even if, J- even if the game is taken out of Jason Garrett's hands, Scott Linehan could never call that game. We would have lost that game 35-17. to 17. Zeke would have gotten 97 carries for 105 yards and two touchdowns. And our kicker would have missed two field goals. Dan, I still love you, Dan, buddy. It's been it's been it's been rough. It was a rough end of the year. It's going to be a rough off season. This team has major questions. Um, obviously, the Eagles they were in a very similar situation last year. No one thought they were very good. Um, their rookie quarterback had 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 some ups and downs. Questions about whether Wentz was the guy, um, but. I'll say this about the Eagles. They went out and made moves to improve that team significantly. Um, They started with the draft. They got Derek Barnett, who is a very good player. They went out and got a true number one receiver in Alshon Jeffrey. And during the season, they made a major move to get Jay Ajayi. And those are all moves that I don't know if the Cowboys are going to make. Um Hell, even signing Nick Foles proved to be a great move before, which yeah. I believe there's a direct quote from either Jason or Jerry this offseason that has not aged well That about Nick Foles. And, and forgive me for butchering this, but I think the, the, the wordage was something on, we just don't see any place for him on this team. <laughs> <sighs> now I'm not saying Cooper Rush isn't better than Nick Foles because I'm pretty damn sure he is. But – you're correct. That quote does not age well. It's uh, we're 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 farther away from a Super Bowl than we were this time last year. Yeah, um, 
I would have to agree with that. You know, Philly is going to come in being the odds-on favorite. Now, the good thing about that is no one has repeated victories in the NFC since like 2003 or four. I don't know. It's been a long, long stretch. Um, Andy may have that handy, but anyway, the favorite never wins the NFC East is the only saving grace. My my big hope at this point, Andy, is that um, the Eagles trade old Nick Foles, get you know a lot back, and then Wentz never can get over the hump. Wentz never wins, and we can always just joke. We can always just joke that Nick Foles is their best quarterback. So I have a little bit of that going for me, but that's really all I have. Well, and it's a different, you know, the division could look very different next year. Um, the Giants are obviously such a dumpster fire. They really have no choice but to kind of restart. So Yeah, they're picking at number two with a new regime. By all accounts, they're taking a quarterback, Andy. Yeah, so, so we might see Josh Allen be. there. We could see Caker Mayfield come out at Ooh. number two. Sam Darnold. Uh, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, there are a lot of guys out there that would can definitely make an immediate impact. Um, the Redskins will obviously be guaranteed to look very different with the departure of one beloved quarterback and his beloved wife. Uh, Kirk and Julie will no longer be uh, shining their, the light of their eternal love on the city of Washington, D.C. Um, and I think it's, many people... It's really hurt, you know. I know... I feel bad for Kirk, but then I feel bad for Julie because I know she feels bad for Kirk. And she, then if there's one person hurt, but you know what? I think they, they might both be happy. Um, Kirk was definitely getting paid really well in DC. Um, the year to year deals are not secure and they're not great, but Kirk was making a lot of money year over year. Um, he is probably going to get a really good deal in his new spot. And to be honest, the Redskins didn't treat him very well. So I think in the long run, it's better for, for Kirk anyway, or maybe to be seen if it's better for, for Washington. Um, personally, I think that my view on it, and this is an outsider who doesn't like their team, um, I think they traded away the best quarterback they've had in 20 years. Yeah, so if no one, uh, anyone listening missed this news somehow, um, the Washington Redskins traded – for Alex Smith from the Kansas City Chiefs um, and then signed a three- or four-year extension. So he's definitely their guy. Um, a lot of people thought they may just use him as a gap holder and get you know a, a Baker Mayfield or some other quarterback in the draft. I really think they've now committed to Alex Smith, um, which by all accounts would mean the end of the Kirk Cousins era. For whatever reason, they just didn't think he was the guy or they didn't want to pay him. Um, I'm not really sure. I I tend to agree with you on this, Andy. Um, I've always thought that he was a really good quarterback. You know, when yeah. we were doing our preseason rankings, I'm pretty sure I even had him at number one as the best passer in this division. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, Alex Smith certainly had a decent year, at least a decent half Career a year, year in Kansas City. But can he do that without probably the fastest wide receiver in the league and probably a top five running back remains well, to be seen and probably too. a top two or three tight end. Here's the thing too. We've seen Alex Smith in the playoffs a lot. You know, if their big decision was, we don't think Kirk is the guy that's getting us over the hump. Okay. I, you know, they've been watching him for a few years. Fine. They have that belief, but 
Then you go get Alex Smith, who everyone has seen can't get over that hump. And yeah. Alex Smith's a fine quarterback. He's not going to lose you a lot of games, but he's never going to be a top five, top eight guy. But, hell, in a league where Nick Foles can win Super Bowl MVP, sure. who knows? Yeah, I, I I think the Redskins, the issue I see there is that they just don't have the weapons to make Alex Smith effective. Um, we did see – I'm not going to call it the emergence um, – but we definitely saw some of their players who people maybe had written off a little bit start to look uh, a little bit better towards the end of the season. Um, you know, two years they were ago, injured they too. Like yeah, as they much as we complained by injury. Two years ago, they spent a first round pick on Josh Doxson, um, who was just pretty much immediately sidelined with injuries. And when he was finally healthy, he definitely made an impact on the field almost immediately. Um, but no true money running back, uh, questions injury wise across the offense and the defense, uh, brand new quarterback who's, who, while solid has never been described as dynamic. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions here, so it'll be interesting. We got the giants and the Redskins who are both really completely shifting the face and identity of their franchise. Uh, with Eli and Kirk both departing, yeah, I'd agree with that. So we're gonna we're gonna have some new faces in the division. Um, what will be coming back is pretty much all of Dallas's team, Andy. You know, we, we've talked a little of this. I think we're gonna see a very similar coaching staff. Uh, we're seeing a very similar personnel, and we'll see what we do in the draft and offseason. I just don't think we're gonna be big players in free agency. That really hasn't been the um, Will McClay and Stephen Jones method since they've sort of taken the reins from Jerry late aughts, you know? Yeah. Um, so I will say the one, the one change I do think is good for us is bringing over Seattle's DC to head up the passing defense game, passing defensive coordinator, which I didn't know was a position until we hired this guy. Um, this guy built the Legion of uh, the Legion of boom. Um, he's Seattle's DB coach. He put together all the, and scouted all the guys that became perennial all pros uh, in Seattle. Um, that I think is a great hire. Uh, I'm less super stoked about our decisions on the offensive side of the ball, coaching wise. Um, from what I heard, most of those personnel decisions were left to Scott Linehan, who really wowed the coaches at end of year meetings, which. I don't know if those coaches just like weren't present at the Seattle game. Maybe or... the guy makes a bomb PowerPoint, but um, dude, he must was... have that Jeff Fisher PowerPoint ability. <laughs> just, just wowing you with with mediocrity. Um, yeah, Start you, <laughs> you know he's gonna be he's gonna be there, and for better or worse. You know, the only good thing, as I said, is at least Dak will be familiar. Well, they'll be familiar with this offense. You know, there's not going to be many wrinkles that I think we see. You know, I think they need to do a better job of getting our receivers open. That's a whole nother can of worms. But um, as far as Dallas goes, I think we're probably going to be the second favorite in this division by default because mm-hmm. um, of all the problems with Washington. New York's probably starting a rookie QB next year. But with probably a pretty um, big gap between one and two, most likely, yeah. And yeah, like, Philly's going to be, man, they're probably projected to NFC favorites next year. And yeah. the NFC is stacked, Andy. That's 
that's the problem I said with last year when we went 13-3. Everybody was on the up and up about, well, can only get better. You know, they're young. It, the problem is a lot of other teams get better. The Saints got way better. The Vikings with Case Keenum looked really good this year. Yep. Um, Carolina's still dangerous. Still good. Yeah, Atlanta's still good. Um, Philly is massively improved. So when you look across oh, the Rams. Yeah, Rams came teams. out of nowhere. Yeah. So football changes a lot year to year. So it's it's going to be impossible to predict. You know, obviously we were way off on this year's predictions. Um, well, look at the Niners. I mean, they're the laughing stock of the league. They get Jimmy G. Suddenly they're world beaters. And now this kid got a $130 million contract. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so on the in the spirit of that, let me pose this question to you. Sure. Would you rather have knowing what you know right now? And this is being recorded, so we will review this. Would you rather have Dak Prescott for two years at six hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, which I believe is his current contract, or would you rather have Jimmy G for five at one hundred and thirty-seven million? Um. Wow, that's tough. You've pretty much only seen the ceiling of Jimmy G, in my opinion. Jimmy is a bigger risk, although I will go on record, I think he's a better player than Dak right now. Okay. But I'd rather have the 600K on your QB, meaning in theory you should be able to pay a lot of other good players. Um, that's when we saw Seattle have the run, when they weren't paying Russell Wilson. Um you know, so I'd go with Dak on that, but it's it's a fun question. Yeah, it's uh, you know, Jimmy benefited from being under a really good coaching staff to start his career. Um, it'd be really interesting to see what Dak could do had he been under Bill Belichick for the first four years of his career, or however long Jimmy was there. Um, so yeah. it'll be it'll be very interesting to see kind of what happens. There's going to be a lot, and as if we needed any more eyes on Dak Prescott, there's going to be a lot of focus on him this off season. Every rep this guy does in OTAs and training camp, uh, every throw of every game is going to be dissected under a microscope with a fine tooth comb. People are going to want to see some progression from him. I think it's fair to say that as high as people were coming on him coming off that 13 and 3 season, I think people are equally nervous about him heading into next year. Yeah, I don't um, think it's low. I don't included. think we've reached like RG3 mode where people are like anti-Dak. I think it's just that people are suddenly I mean, this is the guy we saw at the end at the second What's half. What's his ceiling of his rookie season? year is the question, you know. Right. And that the fear and, and it was a hell of a rookie year. But. When you watch what you saw the, the second half of this season is what you probably would have expected to see his first year. And his first year is probably what you would have expected to see his second year. And so it suddenly becomes who is this guy really? Who do you know? What, what's the real quote unquote Dak? And the answer is probably that they both are, right? Like one, he is capable of being both. It's which one will he bring to the table every day and which one will the our opponents allow him to be. Um, you know, another year means more tape on him. There's His tendencies are being dissected by defensive coordinators across the league. The offense doesn't do him any favors as of now as far as being predictable, being very vanilla. He doesn't run anything that's really hard to see coming. 
Um, and that part's going to be on Scott Linehan. Uh, Dak is being Dak, a guy who we kind of know isn't a guy that threads the needle into the tightest windows of all time, is being asked to thread the needle into very tight windows because our receivers do not get insane separation due to both their own play and scheme. So it's going to be interesting to see what modifications are made. Um, what I'm concerned about is like we've said on uh, other episodes and a little bit on this one is that what we're going to see is like the coaching staff effectively say like, Oh no, that was a fluke. Let's just do the same thing again and expect different results. Well, they're very sold um, on Dak Prescott. You know, as, as we have question marks, there's one thing, if you hear any reports come out of Valley ranch um, from any of the insiders, you know, Mickey Spagnolia, Brian Broadus, all those guys have, basically said Linehan and Garrett are 100% in on Dak Prescott. So, um, and they get to see him a lot more than we do. You know, they love the way the kid conducts himself, which I do too, Andy. That is a big bonus of him. Most definitely. It's just, you know, uh, the talent. We'll see. We'll see if it catches up. Um, but we'll have a full season. Like I said, we're, we're, we're going to get him on at least the next two years. Left yep, on this most contract. definitely. Most definitely. So, I think that – about wraps it up for our this week's episode. I do want to give a little sneak peek of what's to come. Um, so obviously, guys, there's a big gap between our week 17 episode um, and this episode. And we want to give you guys an idea of kind of how this is going to work in the offseason. Um, we've got kind of a gap in Cowboys content between now and the draft. So what you're going to see is next month we'll be coming out with one of our uh, more just kind of like fun, humorous off-season episodes. Uh, so that if you if you want to hear something a little bit different from Boys Will Be Boys, this will be less analysis, more just us riffing about uh, some more humorous side of our Dallas Cowboy fandom. Tune in for that. Um, we will obviously cover the draft both both pre and post. So we'll give you a breakdown of who we want. Um, who uh, we would love to have, who the Cowboys will take. Those are definitely going to be different uh, groups of players, given that the Cowboys never take anyone cool. Uh, and uh, then we will cover, obviously, the post-draft, uh, who we ended up taking, how those new guys fit into the scheme. Uh, and then you probably get a couple more of those off-season content episodes before we roll into OTAs uh, later this summer. So that's kind of the schedule as of now. Um Ben, did you have anything to add? Nope. I think you summed it up, buddy. Uh, like I said, this is a Dallas Cowboys podcast through and through. We do touch on the rest of the NFL, of course, mainly as it affects us. But seeing as how we missed this playoffs, um, there wasn't really a lot of content for us to sift through. So, like I said, we will uh, – like Andy said, we will, we will be staying in touch with you guys. We will be – um, broadcasting episodes here and there so you don't forget our wonderful voices but uh yeah i think uh i think you you set it up we're we're ready on draft season man absolutely so guys as always we super appreciate you guys taking the time to listen um if you have any questions comments or you just want to shout us out feel free to uh like subscribe leave a comment shoot us a message on facebook and or twitter we love hearing from you guys and be on the lookout for uh, our next episode coming probably sometime at the beginning of march i would assume uh, if not a little bit earlier but we'll keep you guys up to date if you follow our twitter page which is at BWBB with underscores between all the letters uh, because every Twitter handle is taken. Um, so, as always, uh, I am Andy Gatelli. Benjamin Walker. This has been Boys Will Be Boys. Take it easy. Peace. The logo's on the way.